0: Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing, on Christmas Eve Eve. That's Thursday in the morning. Joining me from Dallas, Texas, before he heads off to Salt Lake City for Christmas Day, Jazz, who are they playing, Uh, McMahon? The Lucalus Mavs. The Lucalus Mavs.
1: Theo Pinson and the Miracles, baby.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. You absolutely have to watch that one. absolutely have to watch it. And joining us from can Boston. Howdy,
1: can I get a Howdy Partners in? Please. Howdy, howdy Partners.
0: Thank you. And McMahon. So rude. Not banned on Christmas. All bans are lifted for the holiday season. Joining us from Boston, where he's soon to leave for New York for Christmas Day. Knicks Celtics? I can't remember. Knicks Hawks. Knicks Hawks. <laughs> Trey Young. let Hawks. Um, is Tim Bontemps.
2: Yes, Trey Young's returned to Madison Square Garden in doubt because, like many other people, he is in the health and safety protocols as of now.
1: All right. I will say this. Even if he can't play, he will be entertaining on Twitter. So
2: <laughs> That is true.
0: <laughs> All right, so here's what we're going to do as my Christmas gift to myself. We're not going to talk about COVID on this podcast. In fact, I just said that word. It's so the last time we're going to talk about it. We all know that the NBA is in the muck right now. We all hope that it's going to get through it, and so we're going to talk about non-bleep stuff because I just can't take it anymore.
1: I mean, there might be some makes, bleeps, there might be some bleeps. It just won't be that particular bleep,
0: right? And if that makes you sad, I'm sorry. If it makes you happy, <laughs> hang in there. Um, so we thought we would do something really kitschy and 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 seasonal because. You know, when you think of us, that's what you think of is you know definitely pop culture. So um, we're gonna have a little Christmas wish list. How would you describe this, Bon Temps? That we decided to do.
2: Uh, we're gonna go through and give some teams a present for Christmas. A theoretical present, we should yeah, say, in terms of what yeah. what uh, what we would like them to have uh, going forward, or is maybe McMahon things, will it's... take something away. I don't know. Is, is Santa me, Claus mad.
1: is Santa Claus really pop culture? I don't know. Also, well, but I was speaking, yeah. have you heard like there's this Justin Bieber with like Buster Rhymes, like Christmas Carol? My daughter plays it's, it's I gotta tell you, it ain't bad. It makes you <laughs> shake your butt a little bit.
0: Uh, which you, which uh, none of you can see, thank goodness. Although,
1: <laughs> oh, boy. find us on Hoop YouTube.
0: The Hoop Collective is now um, having clips on the ESPN's uh, NBA YouTube channel. So,
1: You'll have to find my butt shaking somewhere else. I'm not going to advertise that right here.
0: <laughs> Is that on a certain uh, pay for play site? That uh...
1: <laughs> uh, let, let me see if I can clear the uh, endorsement deal first.
0: That's on uh, Hoop Collective after dark, which will be available on <laughs> uh, ESPN plus soon. Um, <laughs> so the first team I thought uh, we would talk about uh, on their wish list would be the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are a, I think are a pretty good story. Um, considering everything that they've had to deal with this season. They're in, they're in tied for fourth uh, as we sit here talking right now, which is remarkable. And if they had a Christmas uh, wish, they would probably want their two all-stars back. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo have been out. Uh, Jimmy came back for a half. Um, he's had several different things d- he's dealt with this year, but primarily a tailbone injury, which yeah. we remember last year, Steph, um, basically because there were no courtside fans, like went flying into like the third row literally in the air and landed on his backside. And he was messed up for a while. Well, Jimmy has been messed up for a while. Then bam tore a ligament in his thumb and is out six weeks, give or take, uh, after surgery. And, you know, Eric Spolstra has over the years, I've, I know, I'm very bad at coming up with nicknames. Um, and I don't, I, I wish I had a better talent at it, but. Um, Did you come up with
1: Wendy or was that just a sign to you?
0: That was a sign to me, which okay. I really didn't like, but I've just had to embrace. Um, but there's a couple of people I know who are like great at coming up with nicknames. Um, bond temps actually is good at it, but so many of them are vulgar that we can't.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, I've got a few for bond temps, none of which I can use here. <laughs> um,
0: but I, I nicknamed him the mechanic a few years ago because like, nobody uses it it's a bad nickname for him i agree but like things always go wrong with the heat or not wrong but like he's always got to like overhaul his team throughout the season and he gets in there and he rolls up his sleeves and he just does it you know you talk to scouts and they say year after year after you know scouts like it when teams don't change things so when they go back to scout them for <laughs> for their third game that they Must don't work. have to they don't have to spike all of their notes from the from the first These scouts tell me like Spolstra is useless. We have to re-scout them all the time because they're completely different in March than they were in, in December. And that's because Spolstra really um, is just known for doing this stuff. And so with all the injuries and then Tyler hero has been out and other guys have been out, he has gone to a totally different style of play. And he's like, okay, we're just going to shoot a whole bunch of threes. And, you know, they, they've they shot threes for a while. I mean, Duncan Robinson, like 90, 80% of his shots are threes. Like, as a team, they haven't been, you know, super high volume. But, like, over the last couple of weeks, he's like, look, we have to shoot threes. And they've had, like, their five most prolific three-point shooting games, like, in franchise history in the last, like, eight or eight, eight seven or eight games. And um, Cooper Moorhead, who uh, writes for Heat.com, he's actually kind of a, adjunct member of the coaching staff. They don't tell anybody, but he, he he's really good. He noted this. He said they, the Heat had never had more than two games with 19 made threes in a single month ever in their history. They've done it four times in the last two weeks. So um, basically, this is how they're getting past this. Um, uh, <laughs> Cooper also said that, in, in, the, in a five game stretch, they made five, they made in a five game stretch. Uh, in the last week, they made 103 pointers. That was more than the heat made in a couple of their entire seasons <laughs> in the nineties in five games. Um, and so what's happened here is they've gone to <laughs> Max Strus, who has, has a great nickname Bon temps. It is.
2: Uh, we're not going to talk about the nickname on the pod, actually. Oh, it's a, we're not. That's a okay. It's not a vulgar nickname, it's, it's but a, it's, a, a, it's, it's one one not for it's not a for oh, public consumption nickname.
0: Damn, all right. Well, uh, they like he supposed put in Gabe Vincent and Max Struess into the starting lineup and been like guys bomb away from outside, and the heater winning. And I have to say, it's not like let's put them on Sports Center type wins, and Kyle Lowry is is grinding through some of these games. He's not always putting up great numbers, but he's getting it done. And Bontemps, like, the Heat are doing it again. And, by the way, they've played, like, the first or second toughest schedule, and they have, like, the second or third easiest schedule left. Eventually, those guys are going to get healthy. Watch out for the Miami Heat.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, I I saw the Heat play the Sixers last week in Philly without Jimmy, without Bam, and beat the Sixers and did it like you said, in very Miami heat fashion, they're rolling out weird lineups and they've got Max Struce and Duncan Robinson out there bombing away um, from three point range. Um, you know, at times the heat would like Duncan Robinson to shoot a little bit more. Sometimes I think he could take a couple extra shots a game that he doesn't Max Struce does not have that problem. He, when he gets out there, <laughs> no. he, he is the ultimate green light and he is chucking from anywhere and everywhere all the time. And you know, he's been a really big find for them, the latest guy to come through their Sioux Falls G League program and really turn into a um, a big time piece for them. And, and the Heat, you know, like you said, Eric Spolstra is, if not the best coach in the NBA, one of the best couple. He finds a way to maximize what he's got every year. And in talking to him, I saw him for a few minutes after shoot around last week, and he's really excited about his team. You know, you you've been around the heat a lot brian obviously and they're not exactly um effervescent all the time they're pretty buttoned up <laughs> and they don't that's right they don't that's really What i've already had away. that vocab word that's your word for the day mcmahon oh i've already had that we've had that one on our previous <laughs> <laughs> look at your good memory um but eric even couldn't really hide his excitement about his team you know i asked him about having kyle lowry and pj tucker and he just lit up and just those are two, as we've talked about many times on the pod, just definitional Miami Heat players. And Eric at one point said, "You know, we're a lot, meaning like Heat culture." And he's like, "Those guys are, those guys just amplify what we're about." And so they they think that when they're healthy and have everybody available, they're going to be able to go at anybody in the East and have a shot. And that's certainly been my thought since they got those guys this summer. And if if they're healthy come playoff time, but that starting five. They're going to be a really, really tough out.
1: Well, and, and Duncan Robinson actually looks like one of the best shooters in, in the league again. He uh, His shooting splits by month, 32. I'm talking threes, obviously, because he doesn't take a whole lot else.
0: Same, same. Yeah, yeah, 32,
1: 33, 39. So he's still not like back to being, you know, Duncan Robinson. But to, for him to be 39 high volume without being able to play that two-man game with Bam, which obviously is where he gets a lot of his uh, looks when, when, uh, when they're full, you know, it, any concern about, Oh, how's he adapting a new ball, blah, blah, blah. Those are at least in the, uh, in the rearview mirror. And so if, if they're, if their presence are getting back a healthy bam and Jimmy, can we throw in some kind of contribution from Victor Oladipo as like a stocking stuffer is, is that yeah. <laughs> how, you know, how are we he's feeling starting, about that possibility? Yeah.
0: He's, I mean, he's starting to do some, I know that he's done some on-court workouts and people have, kept an eye on him. I don't know what the latest is with him. Uh, it was a huge injury, so I don't know, yeah. but like, and, a,
1: and, a, and a long history, unfortunately.
0: Yes. I mean, I, I don't know what to expect from him, but they obviously signed him with the belief that there was a possibility that he could help this year. Well, but, and,
1: and, and, and look, they signed him to no minimum deal. So it's, you know, it's all reward, zero risk, but you know, can he, by the time playoffs roll around, be a, an, uh, you know, an, a bucket getting eighth man. I mean, it's not like they need him to come in and fill a starting job.
2: No, I mean, I think that was the hope for them, right? That he could be ready by the spring to give them something down the stretch and in the playoffs. If he can, if he can do that, be an eighth or ninth guy, that would be a win for
0: them. Well, the concept of, of giving him that contract also, they held on to his bird rights. So um, they have the ability to sign him to a meaningful contract, even if it's a sign and trade, if he's able to show something this season, or they could just roll it over. They could sign him to another small contract next year and do it again. So, um, you know, even Udonis Haslam guys hit a three this, uh, this last week.
1: He, <laughs> Did, didn't he, he hit, didn't he hit the one that like broke the record for made threes in a game for the franchise?
0: That might be true. Yeah. It was like right at the end of the game. Um, I looked it up. He'd only made five threes in his 18 year career before that. And he didn't make a three pointer until his like 11th season in the NBA. Listen, this <laughs> is, this
1: is the time for, if you're a 40 plus year old who can still play, this is probably the time for you, you know, yeah. call, so, call you your know, local he, GM.
0: There was so much about the Celtics signing Joe Johnson. That was amazing. And Bon temps, you wrote a really good story about it. You were at the game, uh, Wednesday night in Boston where Joe got two minutes and made a basket. Um, I love you know he, it was 20 years since he had been drafted by the Celtics. Woj uh, talked about how Red Auerbach was in the draft room when when uh, when J- Johnson was picked, and there was all these incredible stats. Like it set a record for years between. What was it, Bontemps? You had years between it was it was a
2: record for a time between appearances with the same team. The record before was close to 15 years by James Edwards, who was a center in the 80s, 90s and uh, with the Lakers. And Joe is almost 20 years. It was 19 years and like 300 That's days.
0: Crazy. And yet he's still the second oldest player in the league um, behind Udonis, behind Udonis. Udonis is still the oldest player in the league, by the way. This was brought up um, by one of our editors, Adam Reisinger. I don't know if other people brought it up, too, but they announced the MVP. I'm sorry. They announced the Hall of Fame candidates this week, the the people who were eligible for nomination. Uh, Manu Ginobili led the um, sort of led the class. Joe Johnson. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bontemps. Joe Johnson was eligible to be nominated for the Hall of Fame.
2: That was what Adam told me. I I would believe it to be true. I did not verify it otherwise, but Adam would know.
0: How so, many years out do they have to be? 4 3 4 3,
2: three. Is it 3? Well, I like 3 plus.
0: <laughs> well, he last played in 18, right? And this, so it would be Yeah, this yeah, like is the fourth
2: this is the fourth season since he retired. So
0: he, so here's my question. Well, he didn't since retire. Mono,
2: since Bodin retired, I mean. Since Bodin retired. Okay.
0: Does he, I, I don't know the answer. Does he does his clock restart now? Does he have yeah. to go wait 3 more years? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's playing an NBA games. Wow. Wow. By the way, I
1: hope, well, I hope Jamal Crawford gets signed by somebody.
0: Well, he will be would, able to
1: score when he's sixty-five years old. I'm <laughs> I telling making... the, the la I, I was there for the last game that he played in front of fans, like because he did get a little bubble time. The last game Jamal Crawford played in front of fans was Dirk's final home game, and Crawford almost stole the—you uh, know—stole the spotlight. He he scored thirty-nine in the second half and ended up with fifty-one points. <laughs>
0: That was his last game in front. That was of fans.
1: His, his last game in front of fans. He got fifty one well, points. His fourth fifty point game for four different franchises.
0: I made sort of. I saw you know all these guys are kind of kind of coming out of the woodwork, coming back to the league, and um, I made a joke to a league executive a couple of days ago. I go, I go, I can't believe Michael Beasley hasn't been signed yet because you know Beasley's always getting signed. Like he, yeah, I thought he's been done like four times and he keeps getting signed. I go, where's Bees? And then I. And then the executive, a couple hours later, sent me, a, forwarded me. A, well, I shouldn't say that. He let me know <laughs> that uh, the Beasley was added to the G League. <laughs> that, there you uh, go. He's like, bees, bees, <laughs> bees came in from the pool. And was like, wait a minute, <laughs> I can make some mid-range jays. Um,
1: yeah, so he's yes. like, he's like, he's like,
0: whoa, six figures for
1: ten days. I, I think I can get one of those.
0: So, um, but I, I think the heat out of all of the smoke and mirrors jobs that they've done in the last decade under Spolstra. Uh, And of course the irony being is that there have been times where Spolstra has had talent overflowing Um, what they've sort of done. I think they're five and two in these last seven that they've had to play. Um, They probably played at night. And so by the time this pod comes out, some of this will be dated, but that's the world we live in. But um, uh, the heat, uh, I think keep an eye on the heat. Uh, You know, they've, Spolstra has the storm, and as Bontemps mentioned, they're excited about their situation. You know, that's the thing that the Heat, the Heat are always like manufacturing guys out of the G League, and they're always dancing on the line of the luxury tax, right? Bontemps, like they're that's like a right. hundred, like $180,000 below the tax. Some years they have gone into the tax, but other years. They Andy Ellsberg,
2: with- one of the best cap maestros in the league, always finds a way to get Harrison right. out of paying the luxury tax plus there's no state couple, income tax
0: a couple like, years ago know. they made like they made like six trades on deadline it wasn't six it was like they, they made like a three or four moves on deadline day and with every move they cut like three hundred thousand. they made a lot of moves and they
2: made a they, lot of moves to fix they it.
0: edged underneath it and so like while spo is down there you know using getting gabe vincent you know you know, off the bench and into the starting lineup and and designing new offenses to shoot 45 threes a game or whatever. Andy Ellisberg is upstairs with the spreadsheets and uh and the conference calls figuring out a way to Making keep the under the tax. And it's it's like amazing to watch um them operate at that level. And you know people praise Spo and people praise Andy, but I still don't think that you know in general, you know, they get they get the credit, but here they are doing heat things again. And um, I'd say, watch out for them. Okay. Another team on a wish list. Bon We thought for sure the Philly 76ers, and we all know what they would be wishing for.
2: Yeah. They would. need to make a Ben Simmons trade. That's what the Sixers need to do. Um, <laughs> they, uh, they, Well, they need to do it for all of our sakes. So we can stop talking about a Ben Simmons trade happening. And uh look, I mean, I saw them, I, obviously I see them a lot, but they were here in Boston earlier this week and uh, they managed to beat the Celtics playing several replacement guys because they had a bunch of guys out with injuries and COVID. Oh, and Joel, Joel Embiid... and did not mention it. Well, I, I had to set up the fact that Joel Embiid was unbelievable down the stretch of this game, finished with 41-10 and 10 and simply dragged his team over the line, making basket after basket down the stretch and the Celtics were completely powerless to stop him and it was just a reminder that when you've got a guy as good as joel in a league that's as wide open as the league currently is right now i mean for his for all the good teams that there are there's not a you know golden state with kd and steph sitting out there that everybody doesn't think they could beat and when you've got a guy like joel you automatically have a chance if he's healthy and so i would like to see the sixers Find a way to get a Ben Simmons trade done by the deadline and give themselves a chance with Joel, with a healthy roster around him to make a run in the East this year, which I still think is possible depending on the kind of trade they can make. But yeah, also, also, we'll Daryl Morey can with, figure out
1: Yeah, with the man who has the best nickname in the NBA and you know who I'm talking about. George, the minivan, Niang.
2: <laughs> we're talking is, nicknames. I'm going to, I'm going
1: to shout out the minivan.
2: The minivan is a hell of a nickname for sure. Speaking and of, they nicknames. have actually, they've really missed him. These past, he's, he's also been out and they have, it's funny to say this when you have a team with Joel Embiid on it, but the Sixers have a pretty small roster, especially without Ben. Um, And, and Yang has really been a key, a key piece for them as a four who can space the floor and, 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 Give them a little bit of a different look, and they've they've it's really hurt them not having him for the past few days.
0: Speaking of nicknames, BasketballReference.com, which pretty much keeps every stat we need, and we all use it like uh, thirty five times a day, they keep an index of nicknames. And have you ever looked at what the index of nicknames for Ben Simmons is? <laughs> I have not. Some of them are preposterous.
1: Yeah, it's funny because sometimes you'll be scrolling and it'll be like guys who you cover on a regular basis. You're like, I've never heard that nickname.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I've even told guys about it. I go, is your nickname such and such? And they were like, they called huh? me that when I was in high school. Oh, Here, here's, the listed, here's the listed Ben Simmons nicknames. The annual NBA on Christmas Day tradition continues with five of the best gifts anyone could ask for. The star-studded schedule starts at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on ESPN, with the Hawks taking on the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Then over on ABC, the Celtics square off against the Bucks, followed by the Suns hosting the Warriors. Then on ABC and ESPN, the Nets battle the Lakers, with the day capped off by the Mavs clashing with the Jazz at 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 Pacific on ESPN. What a Christmas Day lineup. For the ones who get it done, Ranger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by.
1: Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home one guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by Nitsa.
0: Simo the Savage. Hmm. Would any? First off, if you ever, this has got to be an Australian. Nobody named Simmons would ever be called Simo, unless they're know. in
2: Australia. That's an Australia thing for sure.
0: Right. So has anybody would ever would ever call him Savage? I don't think so. Maybe. Maybe. But I've never like heard anybody
2: savage. call him anything but Ben. So I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I don't know any other. H-
0: how about this one, the Peacemaker?
1: Uh, that one no longer applies. That
0: one is out. Yeah. That one is scratched from the list. <laughs> how about young socialite?
1: Well, that I believe was from his forays into uh, the Kardashian world.
0: (laughs) I guess so. Uh, The Yank.
1: I think they call him several variations (laughs) of that now in Philly.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. There's even more. There's more that I'm not even. uh, Ben is a
1: pretty basic one. Makes sense. Fresh Prince. I kind of like
2: Benny. Benny's not a nickname.
0: I kind of is. But again, he's not a Benny. Like, you don't. You Don't he's, he's not just a you call Benny?
2: I've never heard anyone say anything about him other than calling him Ben. <laughs> well, I'm just so I don't know why we're having this. Right. You, you haven't so, heard so, the Wizard of Oz?
0: So, so, so let me ask you this, Bontemps. You're around this team all the time. Wizard of Oz, McMahon, being that Australia is nicknamed Oz.
1: Uh, oh, wow, thanks. I never put that one together.
0: Well, I don't want to. Gotta clarify you know with these you,
1: boss. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a tin man joke to be made, but let's keep it moving.
0: Bontemps, the Sixers are 16 and 15. They're playing the Hawks tonight. I don't know. So they're either going to, you know, who knows who's going to play. They're going to be 500 15. or they're not. All right. So. Hashtag math. Where do you, where do you think this, the Sixers are? I mean, obviously in this exact moment where they're dealing with guys out and whatever. But like, how do you evaluate where, they ha- where they're where they feeling for themselves? You look at their numbers. They're like the 19th offensive team. They're like the 17th defensive team. They're like the 20th net rating. They are average in every way. And I went back and looked. Last season, Ben Simmons missed 14 games. And I realize if you look at each individual one of those games, there's circumstances that are involved. But he missed 14 games last year. Guess what their record was? Seven and, and four. Seven, seven and seven, seven. seven. Two years ago, which was in the bubble when he remember he hurt himself in the bubble. and He missed some games yep. there two years ago. He missed 16 games. Guess what their record was? Eight and eight, eight and eight. And I, again, if you were a, if you're a Sixers fan or if you're a, if somebody who covers Sixers on a daily basis and knows every nut and bolt, you can probably come in here and make they without Ben Simmons for the last three years. Now they have essentially been a 500 team, whatever his, his shortcomings, whatever he, he, you know, you trade offs are when Ben Simmons plays, they are an elite team. And when Ben Simmons doesn't play, they are a 500 team three years. Now the sample size is pretty large. So what are the Sixers going to do about this? So are they, are they just content to sit here and say, okay, we'll be a 500 team all year long.
2: Well, I think we'll find out with what happens between now and the trade deadline to be Frank, uh, you know, I mean, if if, you know, Daryl Morey is, you know, as we've talked about many times, he's going to be patient, going to get the best deal he thinks he can get. And I think the question for me is going to be, is that going to come for sure between now and the trade deadline? Or is this something that's going to stretch into the summer? To me, I don't think you can go into the summer personally, because, as I said before, when you have a guy like Joel Embiid, you need to give yourself a chance and to your point they do not have a chance if they don't make a trade this team is not good enough to win without Ben Simmons um and just with the roster they have now they'll lose in the first round of the playoffs if they even make the you know, it might even if Joel gets hurt for a couple of weeks if they stay like this there's a chance they could not even make the play-in tournament I mean the the east is way deeper than it has been in the past and you know, the team they're playing tonight, the Hawks, they were the four or five seed last year, them and the Knicks. They're both out of the play-in right now. So, and they're only a game or two behind Philly in seventh. So the margin for error is pretty slim. And between making the playoffs and not even being in the play tournament in the East, and I think Philly is in that range right now. Um, and if they make a trade for Ben and get some real players in, they've got a shot to, you know, maybe make a deep playoff run. And if they don't, they don't. And I think here's, we'll find out between question. now and the deadline whether Daryl's going to, you know, decide that he's going to get the best deal he can by the deadline, or if he's going to wait to get the deal he wants to get, whether that's before the deadline or sometime this summer.
0: But like, but he, but go back to it. They have hundred forty-four million-dollar payroll. They're yep. in the tax by six or seven million bucks. Yep. So they're paying someone that I don't have Bobby Marks. It's around fifteen million. Okay. They're a tax-paying team. Yep. Are they? Are is a tax-paying team going to accept the play-in? If That's a great question. If you're sitting there as ownership, are, you know, you you know, you sat across from Ben Simmons in the summer. You listened to what he said. You've obviously probably had many discussions with Daryl Morey about it, if you're Josh Harris and David Blitzer, their owners. Are you willing? And I mean, I'm not expecting you to have the answer, Bon Thompson. I'm just saying. that. I'm just framing right. the situation. Right. Are you willing to pay one hundred forty, you know, including taxes, one hundred sixty million dollars to be five hundred and and fight for a plan?
2: That's the that's the whole question. Or are
0: you are you picking up the phone and saying to Daryl, you make the best trade now so we don't lose this season?
2: Yeah, I mean that's the that's the whole question of their season, right? It's are they gonna give themselves a shot when you have? I mean, look, here's the other part of this too, right? Joel Embiid, one of the best players in the league obviously has a pretty long injury history. We talked about it a little, uh, plenty of times last year in regard to a certain award. Um, how uh, how, many, how many years are you going to get with this guy healthy and playing like this? You know, it, it's, to me, it would be very hard to stomach going past the deadline, having been on the team, not playing and knowing you've basically taken a Joel Embiid season in the middle of his prime and punted it. Yeah, and, and McMahon, McMahon, winning no yeah, shot to McMahon,
0: win. Man, isn't that really essentially what this bet is? Simmons is sitting over there in, in the corner saying, okay, take another loss, take another loss. Isn't that yeah. essentially what, what this stare down, And Daryl's over here going, I'll wait four years.
1: Yeah, Daryl's sitting here. Well, the calculations of our percentage odds of winning a championship. Well, part of those calculations has to be how long is your window Embiid? bead? Yep. And are you basically deciding, you know what, we'll, we'll just punt this season. When you don't know how long the window is with Embiid, but when you have a player of that caliber um, who, you know, durability has been an issue, there has to be a pretty extraordinary sense of urgency. Um, he's in his prime. You've got an MVP candidate in his prime, you know, that that at least cracks a window open uh, unless you have a $35 million, whatever his salary is, guy who's just got his feet kicked up and cash and checks. And this yeah. idea if they have to get a superstar, at, at some point, get $35 million worth of contribution, whether it's superstar okay. or not.
0: That's like one of the most important things in the NBA. It's been, it's been sitting there on the back burner for weeks, and it will be for the next six weeks. And it's a pretty giant thing um, for for this era of the Sixers. To be honest, in my view, all right, McMahon, you've got a team with the wish list with yeah, the night. Let, yeah, let's
1: let's keep it rolling with MVP candidate centers. And nobody is playing at a higher level right now than the reigning MVP, the man who won the MVP despite a just a despicable lobbying campaign against him led by Wendy himself. Despicable.
0: Nicole,
2: I mean, it, it was, was despicable. just oh my goodness, I. I you it was okay. never- it was incoherent at least. I don't know if it was despicable. Do you, you remember incoherent. when?
0: Do you, do you remember during the lockout? David Stern, uh, Jeff Kessler was is this attorney? He's just like this shark attorney. He was representing the players' association, and <laughs> David Stern, like in the in the in the throes the lockout, goes, "The conduct of their lead attorney is routinely <laughs> despicable." It was like one of the it was like white collar trash talk. It was amazing. <laughs> uh
1: huh. Well, I'm sorry. I don't mean to put you in, in the uh, category with any, hey man. any, Jeff any lawyers that are doing gets like $1,000 an hour.
0: <laughs> Kessler gets like $1,000 an hour. But maybe I'd, I'd like to be routinely despicable.
1: There you go. But look, Jokic has been absolutely, ridiculous. he's been probably better this year than he was last year. And I just want him to have a running mate. I want Jamal Murray to come back and be something close to himself because I believe Jokic with a bona fide co star. Uh, that the Nuggets still might be able to wiggle their way into uh, the West contender picture, and and I just want to see Jokic have that chance. Um, and th- the fact that the Nuggets are, are huffing and puffing along at 500 uh, ish right now <laughs> is pretty remarkable. And the the on off numbers with Jokic are, are absolutely hilarious.
0: I mean, you see, uh, Michael Malone said this week that. He's like, you're going to laugh. People are going to make fun of me, but Jokic should be an all-defensive player c- candidate.
1: Well, listen, I think that's probably going a bit far, but <laughs> listen, uh, when he's on the floor, defensive rating 103.6. When he is off the floor, defensive rating 114.6. So it is not ridiculous to say that Nikola Jokic drastically improves the Nuggets' defense. I mean, that is a huge swing. And then the the, the offensive swing is is only a 15-point swing. My God. I mean, net rating on the floor with Jokic, plus 11.4. That would be the best in the NBA. That's better than the Warriors. It's better than the Jazz. <laughs> when he's off the floor, minus 14.6. That's like seven-win Bobcats territory.
2: Yeah, he's been unbelievable. And they're actually
0: season. playing him less minutes than they did last year because they're trying to be as responsible as possible. I, they really, really are. I mean, I'm noticing it. It it's, it drives him crazy sometimes when they take him out. It, I'm sure it drives Malone crazy, but they do it.
1: Yeah, and again, I he is to me so much fun to watch. Um, he's he's. Proven that he's a big time playoff performer, you know. Hadn't broken through to the finals, but some of the playoff performances he's had are absolutely ridiculous. Jamal Murray is also proven himself in that regard, and I just want to see Murray get back, you know, get his legs under him, and and look like himself going in the playoffs. Because if that happens, even you know, assuming that Porter's probably not part of the mix, I
2: I don't think anybody will want to see the Nuggets. I can promise you that. Well, to go back to that discussion we were just having about the Sixers, right? You go back to last year's trade deadline. Denver goes out and gets Aaron Gordon. Yep. They were obliterating teams after the deadline with that group. And I was sitting there thinking, man, this team might be able to win the title this year. And then a couple of weeks later, Jamal Murray playing against the Warriors in Golden State, hurts his knee. Obviously, their season goes sideways from there. And, you know, it, it's a reminder that When you have a team that's, you know, got a chance to win a championship, you got to get a lot of luck if you're going to win. And those opportunities are not necessarily assured of being there year after year after year. And so if you've got a chance, you really need to try to maximize it because you may not get another chance. And to your point about Denver, Jokic is such a fun player to watch. Um, He's playing at an insanely high level now and. Yeah, you want to see guys like that and like Joel Embiid have chances to have the best opportunity to make a run in the playoffs and win because that's, you know, when guys are that good, you want to see them playing at the highest level on the highest stage, on the biggest stage, and having a real shot. So, yeah, I you know, the talk all year has been that Jamal's going to come back sometime late in the regular season, you know, sometime in March, early April before the playoffs. If he can come back and be healthy, even without Porter – Again, in a West that's pretty open, you'd like to think that Denver's going to have a shot, um, you know. And then we'll see what happens with Porter. But yeah, I I think wishing hell for the Nuggets, I think, is a a very good thing because you know uh, I would love to see them have a chance to have that full squad make a real run. Because again, you go back to last year after that trade, and they look like they were the best team in the league. And yeah, and and the, and, and Gordon to prove if
1: they are. Uh, Gordon fits so well, and, and we're not going to see that again because, you know, whether Porter's somehow able to come back or not this season, there's no way right. you can expect him to be, you know, anything close to uh, himself. But I just, again, Jokic Murray, they at least would be interesting. Um, and, you know, if the, the Nuggets need to win some more games for this to be a real conversation, but Jokic should be in the MVP conversation. Um, so- and, he, and and when it's brought up, those meanies, Kendrick Perkins and Richard Jefferson should not laugh and mock. Zach Lowe. Zach's got a tough enough time. Zach needs to get with Wendy's hairdresser because I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm a Zach do-it-yourself guy. does not guy. like
0: talking about his hair. Do not oh, well, I, like, I, I like talking about
1: it. I'm a do-it-yourself <laughs> buzz cut guy, but it, like if you're going to do it yourself, you can't just do the sides and then have someone do the top. So I got to, you know, I got to like Zach oh, can't just do the sides himself and then take the top to of the territory. hairdresser.
0: You're wandering in dangerous territory. I barely get invited on the low post anyways. What's going to happen? I mean, come on. I won't answer (laughs) that, though. Here's the thing about the Nuggets. They have an incredible patience within their organization. Um, First off, I've always talked about for a long time that everybody keeps trying to imitate the Spurs over the last 20 years. They keep hiring assistant coaches. They keep hiring executives. But nobody imitates one of the Spurs' biggest qualities, which is... Um, winning the lottery no um which is
1: um, (laughs) continuity which which uh, is timely tanking oh (laughs) yeah that
0: continuity um rc buford greg popovich continuity you look at the the nuggets josh kronky their governor he is a former player he played in college at, at missouri he has a better understanding of the game. This is what people tell me. I don't know Josh, but this is what people tell me. He has a better understanding of the game than a lot of owners do. He has an extremely close relationship with Tim Connolly, their team president. There's a very strong working relationship there. Calvin Booth, their general manager. He's been there for a long time. People have tried to why somebody doesn't hire him away. I don't know, but um, he doesn't. He's been there for a long time. Then you have Michael Malone, who. I have known for 15 years and at times is difficult to get along with. That is not a secret, but he has so much history working alongside Connolly and Cronky. They stick together. And when they, they take long views on players, they draft players that they know may take some time to develop. If something doesn't go right, they stick with it. Um, and they routinely hit, Get get good you know singles and doubles uh, or even the grand slam out of late in the draft and they did it again this year with this guy they drafted Bones Highland who looks oh, like yeah. he's a really good 8-10, pick. baby and so yes uh, also I also on th- the
1: also on the best nicknames in the NBA list if we're if yes. we're gonna yes. you know get back to yeah. that
0: yes. and he's got a great story as well and you know he had some ups and downs but they do I mean yeah. They didn't draft Donovan Mitchell. They don't bat a thousand. Okay, we or Rudy
1: Gobert. They, they draft they tra- tra- no. They draft Rudy extremely Gobert. well for both the Nuggets and for the Jazz. <laughs> I know, it's very nice.
0: <laughs> it's kind of like how the, um, the the Nets for all those years were, were helping the Celtics. It was very nice. That yeah. Year. Um. So, I don't. So obviously, you want Ma- Murray to get back this year. That would be great, and that would be a terrific thing for the for the whole West to have them. Uh, rise to their competitive level again. But I also think that there is a, there's a, a confidence there in what they're doing and there's a patience. And that's why, yeah, it looks bad that Porter signs a max contract without insurance and then has back surgery. It's like, whoa, that is a, really not a good sign. But I know the Nuggets and I know how they operate and I know that they will have patience. And, and that's why they're only playing Jokic, you know, 32 minutes a game, you know, LeBron's out there playing 38 at center, you know, at age 37. And he's out, you know, like the Lakers and LeBron, they don't operate the same way as as the Nuggets do. And so I think that they will eventually be rewarded for that, McMahon. And it may not be this year, but I think eventually it's gonna work out. I could be wrong. Of course.
1: Yeah, and and you know, again, there's an urgency just because you've got an an MVP candidate who is uh in his prime. Uh, I'll tell you what though, Jokic and Embiid are two, are two different, uh, you know, two different cases simply because Jokic is remarkably durable. Uh, you know, obviously he wasn't in great shape when he, when he got here, he's had to really work to, uh, get in shape and work on his body, but he's always played pretty much every single night. Uh, and, you know, he, there's a lot of Jokic that reminds me of Dirk. Some, in his, some of his game actually reminds He's like Dirk with this ridiculous <laughs> you know, passing ability, um, but also just kind of his personality, his dependability. Um, th- there's a lot of him that, that reminds me of Dirk.
0: Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Yeah. And, you know, the long game ultimately played out for the Mavs.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, the other thing with Jokic is, who knows how long his prime might be because, um, you know, I think he's more athletic than than people want to give him credit for. Like, you you know, you see... Him beating guys off the dribble and stuff like that, but certainly, you know, his his game is not dependent on fast twitch athletic yeah. ability. You That's know, he's exactly. a guy you could see aging very gracefully.
0: Honestly, I think it's although I've noticed a major uptick in competitiveness from him over the last couple of years, but you know, he has talked about, you know, I think he just at some point I think he just wants to go back to Serbia. Yeah, but but I've heard that from guys before. You know, like I remember. I can, I can remember when it was, it was during the 2013 finals. Um, and I remember Chris in San Antonio and I can remember, or maybe it was even a regular season game in San Antonio around 2013. And I remember Chris Bosch saying, man, I'm just going to finish this contract and you know, then I'm going to go do code, you know, then I'm going to go make beer. Like he had, Chris had so many interests in life and he was, you know, basketball wasn't everything to him. And I was like, Chris, my God, you can play till you're 40 because you're mm-hmm. tall and can shoot. And I remember having this back and forth with him. He's like, nah, I don't know, man. I don't know. And then the game gets taken away from him, and he would give anything to get back. So in his mid to late 20s, Jokic is like, let me just get to the end of this contract and you know I'm gonna go back home and race horses. But sometimes when you get into the back end of your career, you don't feel that way. But yeah, I agree with you, McMahon. I think Jokic could play for a long time. All right, so. On the next on the wish list, Bon Temps. How about the Golden State Warriors? And we know what their wish is: um, healthy
2: Clay Thompson, healthy James Wiseman,
0: especially Clay.
2: Um, uh, I was going to say Wiseman. I, I think set up is, James Wiseman because that's Brian's guy. I was giving him. I, I was giving well, him a I just
0: plus I we're just in the
1: Christmas spirit with spirit with Wiseman. <laughs>
0: That was the next level.
1: Uh, Next level. The only thing missing is my dad. I've got a
2: dad joke. uh, (laughs) we got to have a chime.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Does does he bring the gold frankincense or the mirth? I think he's a mirth guy, James Wiseman. He's bringing mirth. Uh, Curry brings the gold. Um, Obviously, we're all trying to keep our expectations in check with Clay, but Bontemps, you know, the Warriors, well, they're they're secretly giddy about him getting back out there. They just, just on a personal level and then obviously in a competitive level.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, they they're they've been excited going back to the summertime about how Clay's progressed and looked. Obviously, he's been out for two years now. Heard his Achilles and tore his ACL. Um, they've been very patient, very diligent in bringing him back slowly. There was a lot of chatter. Going back for months, he was going to be ready to play on Saturday. He's not playing on Saturday. He's not going to play till January. Um, I think that's smart. Get past the hype of a holiday. Get into kind of the the doldrums after that and bring him back in. Um, but look, the Warriors have the best record in the NBA um, or the second best record second in the best. NBA. Um, I hadn't looked at it. Yeah, they're half game behind Phoenix. And they haven't had Clay at all. So if he can come back and just be a solid three and D player, like, you know, Contavious Caldwell Pope, some level player like that, that's a huge win for them. That's basically a rotation player. They just add to their team. And if he's anything close to the clay of old, which I think Golden State thinks he has a chance to be somewhere close to that. um, Then all of a sudden you're talking about a gigantic addition to a team that's already at the top of the standing. So, you know, all this other stuff we're talking about, whether the Sixers make a trade, what Miami looks like in the playoffs, the number one thing that might determine this whole season is what version of Klay Thompson looks like when he comes back and if he could stay on the court. Because if that happens, the rest of it might be a wrap. And while we joked about James Wiseman, I do think he does have a chance to play some kind of role on this team and be helpful to them, even if it's only in 10, 12 minutes a night. Because if you watch the Warriors play, they have absolutely no presence at the rim. They have a team that's, you know, even their centers, guys like Kevon Looney and Draymond Green are not exactly, you know, explosive leapers. They don't really have any alley-oop threat. And if Wiseman could just come in and roll to the basket and catch some oops for dunks, he will give them a bit of a presence they don't have. So while Clay is obviously the main thing, I will be curious to see what Wiseman looks like. Um, and if you can give them a little bit of a different element that they currently just don't have.
1: Yeah, and and with Wiseman, I think you have to just forget about him being the number two overall pick. Forget about okay, what right. he might develop into. Can he play the uh, JaVale McGee role for him? You know, can he? Yeah, they're play... trying to
0: win a title right now. Forget yeah. about the pick return and and all that stuff. They're trying to win the championship in twenty twenty two.
1: And right. if Wiseman
0: can help him win that championship, gold star.
1: Right. And and with Clay, it's it's a completely different, uh, I don't want to say burden, but situation than it is for Jamal Murray. You know, Jamal Murray, the, the Nuggets need Jamal Murray to be close to, you know, peak Jamal Murray for them to sneak their way into the West contender conversation. He has to really lift that team. Clay just has to enhance a team that's been rolling. You know, he just, you know, yep. Like it's almost gravy, whatever whatever he brings, and he'll be able to knock down shots. Uh, to me, the question is, how well is he going to be able to uh, defend on? Uh, you know, how how well is he going to be able to fit in with the best defense in the NBA? Coming, obviously, he's he has a history; is a very good defender, but coming off of two very serious injuries.
0: Yeah, one of the things about Wiseman is just how well is he going to be able to move because when you think about matchups, you know, obviously you immediately go to Phoenix. And the thing about Aiton, DeAndre Aiton is he really can move. Mm -hmm. And some of, you know, some of it is old school, direct post-ups. They throw the ball to him in the post. And he turns around and shoots over their guys. He shoots over um, Bielitsa. He shoots over um, uh, Draymond Green. He shoots over um, Otto Porter, who they play at five. Sometimes he can't shoot over his Kevin, Kevon Looney as well, but, it's hard for them to play Looney to get maximized offense. So, some of it is just like go stand there and defend DeAndre Ayton when he's trying to shoot around on you. And be, if you know and Wiseman is mobile pre knee injury, and when when they when you when you got to move around for Ayton when Ayton's rolling to the rim and you're dropping in coverage and you're trying to stop those lobs from Chris Paul when you're trying to um, you know the the um, the Suns run this whole series of elbow sets. Because Chris Paul is a beast at the elbow, mm-hmm. and you you need a versatile big who can get out and then get back in. Like that matchup is going to matter, and the Suns are already thinking about it. I'm sure the Warriors are too, with with where yeah. Wiseman is. You know, but, but, and frankly, how Wiseman looks like. Let's say he comes back in January because Bon said so that's what they're hoping. Is it January?
2: Yeah, I think I think the plan for both those guys is to be back in January at some point. I mean,
0: how Wiseman looks may affect how the how the Warriors approach the trade deadline. Quite frankly.
2: Well, and you know what, though,
1: like, obviously, he, he was moving fine last year. He just didn't know where to go. Right. So, right. How, you know, there's two things here. There's how is he physically and then how much progress has he made uh, mentally in the last however long it's been that, that he's been sitting out watching in film yeah. sessions and all that stuff?
2: Well, you got to remember, this is a guy who played three games in college, then didn't play the rest of that season. Then he comes to the NBA in a crazy season where there wasn't really much of a training camp. Yeah. He gets thrown in. He has some injuries. He misses some time. Uh, then he has the meniscus injury he misses this off season. Right. So he hasn't had a lot of time on the court. And I think part of the the, the, the slow ramp up for him is giving him time to go down to the G league team and be in some practices there and kind of get in familiar with what golden state wants to do and how they want to use them and all that kind of stuff. And I think, the, the, bringing up DeAndre Ayton while you were talking about Phoenix's ability to be a contender and how Ayton's a part of that. I do think it's important to remember that a couple of years ago, DeAndre Ayton was at the top of that draft class ahead of Trey Young, ahead of Luka Doncic. And while he, I still don't think he should have been taken ahead of those guys, ahead of
1: Marvin Bagley, the third
2: ahead of Marvin Bagley, the <laughs> third, he, he had a, 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 he was not great as a rookie and that, that pick did not look very good. And he's got, he was good as Mark. a rookie. He just
0: wasn't like all-star level. He just, was He, like, he, he he was, he was a,
1: labeled. He was labeled as a guy
2: who wasn't a winner.
0: Look, a, he was, was a
2: defensive liability. Yes. who people did not think, to Tim's point, could be a, a franchise anchoring center. And over the past couple of years, he's made dramatic strides defensively.
0: Yeah, and then he and, got busted for steroids. Like that was like that was year right. two. Year I even two forgot about
2: that. That's right. Yeah. That happened too. Like that yeah. pick was not looking very good. You fast forward a couple of years mm-hmm. later, he he helped anchor a defense that got the Suns to the finals. Has become a monster player and is a guy that looks totally different than he did as a rookie. So,
1: yeah. And, and a lot of that is he has been willing to be coached, not just by Monty Williams and his staff, but by Chris Paul. Well, when you talk about great basketball minds who are still wearing a uniform and making a major impact Draymond and who never shut up, Draymond (laughs) Green is high on that list too. So, you know, Weissman has an opportunity here. Um, how much he's able to soak in, how much of it translates. And also, given the circumstances where he's not been able to be on the floor learning, you know, while actually playing. Right. It's, it's not ideal, but, you know, we'll see. There, there's no question like he has rare physical tools. So maybe he is a guy who's so, able to
2: make these significant leaps that we've seen Aiden make. Right. And that's that. That was really my point, which is that's actually
0: a great point. He could really benefit from having a long conversation with DeAndre Ayton because DeAndre Ayton got yelled at every time out for three years. Yeah. And his mentality. I mean, part of it is he's he's laid back. Um, You know, he's talked about it. You know, he's he's from the Caribbean. He's got sort of an island uh, attitude. He's he's chill. Uh, not everybody can can take it uh, and that's part of the reason why they yell at him because they know he can take it. But his mentality right now is so honed, like guys like Wiseman should study it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Aiton is going to get paid probably by the Suns. He is going to get paid. Yeah. And my um, point
2: is just that people and I've certainly been vocal that, you know, it would have made sense to take Lamello last year instead of James Wiseman, but it should, it is early for people to just write him off as not being able to guy being a guy that can help
0: them at some point down
2: the of road. Course. he's like
0: 20 a lot of time. That's right. 20. All right. Merry Christmas, gentlemen. Thank you for not mentioning the other thing. I hope everybody stays healthy. Merry
1: Christmas Be to happy. the ladies too.
0: Thank you. Mr. <laughs> McMahon. Thank you. Absolutely what he said (laughs) Uh, thank you to Jackson our producer Merry Christmas to him too hope you all enjoy the holiday we will be back talking to you next week
1: adios amigos y feliz navidad